I want to take a minute to tell everyone about the app that helps make this show possible. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Most importantly, it's free. I always got to lead with that. If you're new to podcasting and feel a little intimidated by the whole process, Anchor doesn't charge you a dime to set up an account, so it's a great app to use while you get your feet wet. You also don't have to be an audio engineer to produce your own show. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone, tablet, or computer. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in your bedroom, fit into your closet if you can, go into a garage. You don't always have to have a fancy studio to uh, make a podcast happen. You really just need something you're passionate about and a chance to click record. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Music, Spreaker, Overcast, and many other platforms. You don't have to go log into each account and submit an RSS feed. Anchor takes care of that for you. Not only is Anchor free, but you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've been doing this show for 10 months and I've already been able to quit full time at my day job and just work part time. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one easy to use place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Remember, that's Anchor, 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 like from a boat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Cake and Conversation podcast. Also, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, depending on what time you're checking this out. You know, be safe, be happy, all that other positive, small, talky stuff. Thank you guys for checking out this episode. It's the most in-depth conversation I've done so far for this show. It was originally lined up to be episode seven on January 14th. But because of some last minute rescheduling, and in addition to me just really fucking loving this episode, I, as executive producer of the show, decided to give you guys a holiday season treat. I was super grateful to get to visit this week with a uh, Houston-based artist, Jonathan Paul Jackson. He invited my brother and I to his studio space in Houston, and we recorded right there amongst all of his amazing artwork and energy and overall vibe. Luckily for myself, Mr. Jackson wanted ice cream sandwiches, and it's been years since I've had one, so I was pumped to pick up some of those. Also, it wasn't cheesecake, so that was cool. I definitely got tricked into getting 2% milk for myself instead of whole. I'm used to the lids for whole milk being red, when 2% is like blue or whatever. For whatever reason, I associate red with whole milk. So I snagged two roadies and didn't even realize my mistake until we were already recording. Neither Jonathan nor my brother wanted one, so I took care of them both, like a trooper. Anyway, I could have hung, up, hung out with this dude for hours. This is easily my longest episode so far. I remember checking for time, and we got to 20 minutes, and I knew I couldn't cut it short. It clocks in at a little over 45 minutes, almost 50 minutes total. Also, right around the 30-minute mark, I accidentally stopped the recording, but it wasn't really an issue, and we kept the ball rolling for another 20 minutes or so. But I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Here's my conversation with the super talented Houston-based artist, Jonathan Paul Jackson. I'm excited. First thing I got to talk about, uh, ice cream bars. 
Ice cream um, cake. Yeah. Was it, is it a childhood thing? When did you kind of... Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like a childhood thing. And then it's like, to me, it's like the best of... It's like the best flex, you know? Because <laughs> it's like ice cream and cookie. And then the flex of like being able to eat ice cream at any time of the year now, you know? like Especially in Texas. In Texas, it's great. Uh, eating ice cream in the wintertime is awesome. Always been so, strict vanilla or you like to mix it up? Neapolitan, whatever. Uh, all yeah. Go crazy with it, right? Yeah. Because the cookies and cream one... The the uh, bluebell cookies and cream sandwich is really good. That's the go-to. Uh huh. Nice. Um. So let's see. Uh, you were raised. I found out you were raised by your grandfather. Yeah. What kind of impact did he have with regards to, like your interest overall in arts from that early age? Um, I guess like he probably taught me the most important lesson about like being an artist, um, which is like encouragement. Like, I can sell paintings for, like, $3,000, $5,000, $7,000, whatever. But, like, that money comes and goes. But, like, encouragement is, like, forever, you know? Like, there's words that people say to you that, like, are so impactful that, like, they stick with you forever. And, like, but, like, you know, that money doesn't stick, can't stick with you forever. So, like, right. he, he encouraged me to, like, always make art, even though he, so he taught me how to draw, like, Cause I would just ask him how to draw things, you know? And then I would like, like just stare at him drawing and then draw what he drew. And so that's how I learned how to draw, but he didn't like, he would draw more cartoonish. Right. Um, but he was an airplane mechanic in the air force for 35 years. So like he fought in world war two, Vietnam and Korea. And so like, he didn't understand like being an artist, right? Like drawing in that aspect of like kind of, drawing freely and using your imagination, but he has like drawn diagrams and things like that, like being an airplane mechanic, you know? So he understands the mechanics of drawing, right? And so that's pretty much all you need to know, like to get started, right? Cause and like you need to learn, yeah, you need to like understand like how to draw a face. It's like three circles, you know, like one big circle, two small circles, in a little circle, you know, like that, that's a, you know, he understood that part, right? Yeah. So it's almost more advantageous up front to get that base of technique and discipline. Uh -huh. And then the imagination comes later. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like art school, right? Like you go through art school. I didn't go to art school, but, um, like he, he pretty much taught me like what you would learn in art school unbeknownst to like him or myself, even knowing, you know, right. like he just like, he loved me and just wanted to make me happy. And like, any, you know, whenever you have someone in your life and you ask them to do something for you and it's like something like that, they want to like impress you or want to make you as happy as possible. So he tried his best to like draw. But as I got older, I like realized that, right? Like as I'm painting by myself a lot, I have time to reflect on my past and like, things I've done and like things that have happened to me and like people in my life and et cetera. And so it's like, whoa, like he taught me that lesson without me realizing, even it. realizing it or me, you know, I realize it now, you know, it was like conscious. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. hundred percent. And so he just played like this huge role in my life for like the longest time. And he died when I was like 27, you know, wow. he was 91. Jeez. He made it to 91. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He made it a long time. He like saw, you know, he saw so much stuff. It's like crazy. He lied. He lied on his uh, Air Force application because he grew up in a potato farm in South Dakota, like okay. in the middle of fucking nowhere. Right. And so he lied on his application to join the Air Force. And he said he was so blind that he would never fly planes. A year and a half later, he was like dropping paratroopers over Italy. 
Like, you know, like yeah. it's crazy, dude. You know, like that's just will and determination. Yeah, like that's you You're know not telling me no. I'm gonna no, get it. right, for sure. You know, like he really wanted to fly. And so yeah, that's like another lesson that he taught me that you know, it's like unbeknownst. I didn't know it, but that story stuck with me. Yeah, over time. And then like over time, like you kind of replay stories. Oh, you know, especially after they pass, you know, it's like when you're reflecting. Yeah, you're reflecting on like all the stuff that they taught you and you're like, whoa, man, like that's crazy. Like, you know, sometimes you, you, there's these things that are inside of us that push us forward and make us want to like do things like this, you know, like you have nothing to gain really from doing this, but there's something inside of you. There's like the, the love of journalism, you know, for yeah. you to like want to learn what people are and what Psychology. they're doing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So there's like, yeah, there's, yeah. So sometimes we ask ourselves where that comes from, you know, where does this drive come from? Like, how do I even have drive period? And then you think about all the people in your life that are super driven and you're like, Oh shit. Like yeah, motivation. Yeah. I guess like they teach you that without, you know, just by been, them being themselves. Yeah. It wasn't like laying out a set of strict instructions. It was uh-huh. something you just gathered over time. Correct. Um, you said, so you didn't go to art school, but you had a little formal education. Is that just like general, like getting through high school? Or- mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a, I went to high school and I was at, I got to high school. Houston uh, area, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I went to Lamar. Oh, and then I, yeah, and then I graduated from Lamar, and it was like... That's the one off of Westheimer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I graduated from Lamar, and then after that... Um, I was still making... I, like, really went into making art, but... Didn't really know what direction to go into, but... Yeah. So at a, at a young age, you know, like growing up, I'm more likely to eat a crayon than I was to actually use it. Uh-huh. You know, uh, how old were you or kind of when did you realize you were better than most kids your age with regards to drawing and painting? Did you kind of ever notice like, oh, I can do this a little more? Yeah. Um, I, th- I I don't know. I think I enjoyed it more than most kids. I, I can say that for sure. Like, because like my attention span would be, I wouldn't focus on like other stuff, but like whenever it came to drawing, like that was, you know, like. Coloring, like in, you know, doing like the 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 color by number thing. Like I love doing that stuff. Like all that stuff is like that's where I like was really good at school. It's as far as like grade school. Like if you're in like math class, you get your binder open, you're just sitting there doodling. Yeah, so pretty much. About oh yeah, before. totally. Yeah, for sure. Or was like yeah, I was into like in high school and stuff. I was like into writing short stories and stuff. Oh nice. Yeah, but yeah, I guess like I've always like I've always. And, like, my family's always supported me in the sense of, like, pushing me to be a painter. Like, they've never said, don't be an artist, you know? Get a real job. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though, like, they come from, my uncle own, owns a oil refinery company. His wife was fourth in line to become CFO of Arthur Anderson before they went under. My brother works in high finance. My mom's a nurse. My, you know, but, you know, like, I'm the only painter in my family, you know? Um, almost completes the whole thing though you know you get somebody in the yeah, yeah, field, I guess somebody so. in the artistic yeah, yeah. field somebody in the numbers mm-hmm. game. it's very well rounded yeah. um, you said you like to write short stories I'm a yeah. big writer as well and I ever, I've always thought if I do when I do get published it'll probably be as a collection of short stories mm-hmm. especially like you spoke to earlier almost ADD or attention deficit kind of wandering that's how I yeah. am a lot it's hard to stick to one long writing a novel with 40,000 words seems intense you know um, besides the writing and the painting were there other Creative things you were drawn to, like maybe musician, playing instruments, or photography? Um, you know, I guess, like, I've always, I've, like, I've always had, like, uh, 
I've always had like been able to do that. Like I've always had a camera or like my uncle gave me a camera when I was really young and um so I like took photos but nothing like I never showed anybody any of the photos I ever took, you know. But I always like I explored that realm, I guess you could say. Yeah, played around with it. Uh-huh. Was but, the uncle on the same side of the family as your grandfather? Uh yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh so I'm half white, half like black Creole. Okay. And so I was raised by the white side of my family. Okay. Um, yeah, and so they like yeah, they like have always supported me in that sense of like you know, it's it's weird. They've always given me like journals or sketchbooks or whatever, like every Christmas, you That's know. Awesome. Like all the time. Even like because I think I asked for it one year and like soon as I got it at one Christmas, they just saw me go to town. And so every Christmas they always, you know, and and then they would get me like they got me a junior membership to the MFH. Like I the uh, Museum of Fine Arts Houston. OK, so like I grew up like my, my grandfather grew up in West Texas. So whenever he retired from the Air Force, there was an Air Force base out there in West Texas. And that was the last Air Force base he worked on. But like it was so nice out there. He retired out there. And so, um, like, a few years after I was born, my mom and I and my brother moved out to Big Spring, which is where he, you know, like, raised us until I was probably 12. And then we moved back here. To the city. mm, To Houston, yeah. But my grandfather, like, always, we would always take road trips during the summer. So, we like, we would go back to where he was, where he grew up in South Dakota, like Rapid City. And so he grew up in Rapid City and we would visit his brothers there, you know, and they all married like Native American women, you know, so we'd be able to go uh, on the reservations, you know, and like it was awesome. And so it was cool to be that young and be able to be exposed to that type of stuff. Different cultures. Yeah, totally. And that's why, like, I guess I'm so fascinated with culture and I put it in my work so much, you know, like not only to celebrate like indigenous art, because it's like. It was made for like not even a gallery. There was no such thing as gallery or impressing people or making art or making money off your art. Like things were just made for like the pure ritual of it, you know. And so like I want to celebrate that because that's where like like the real passion comes from, you know. And so, but yeah, so at a young age, like I was exposed to like the Museum of Fine Arts Houston, and and you know I got to go to Dallas where my other aunt was a child psychologist. And she like for at this like rich gifted school, and so every summer I got to take these like art classes. So she enrolled me in all these art classes like every summer for like four years, and I would go there for like two months, you know, and just like take all these art classes. And then my grandfather picked me up, and then we drive to South Dakota, and then drive back down to Big Spring, and that was like my summer, you know, for, yeah. for like four years straight. So you probably loved going to South Dakota, but I'm guessing you probably didn't want to leave those two months. You know, you're always hesitant to want to leave. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was awesome. It was so cool. Like we got to do so much cool, like ceramics, whatever, like you named it, you know, because they would always have these materials donated. And it was just like a great experience for for me as an artist, like to have have those like fundamentals at such a young age, you know, to be be able to, again, be exposed to that. Yeah. So um, I've read. Some of your interviews, mm-hmm. I think the gentleman I might be pronouncing it wrong, Marcel Duchamp, Duchamp, uh, Marcel Duchamp, Duchamp. There he yeah. is, French. Uh, yeah. One of your first influences as an artist. Yeah. So not so much his style, um, more of his philosophy. Yeah. So what about that philosophy kind of resonates with you? Um, it's like he talks about like anything can be art, like if you imagine it or if you accept it to be art, then it is art. 
you know? Um, and so I like it just because it takes out, it takes out art out of this like small context and it can make, it goes from a painting can be art to like anything. Like he made a urinal, turned it upside down. And like, that was art because like, you couldn't really, you, at first you couldn't tell what it was at first because it was hung on properly. So and so like, twice. yeah, exactly. And so, but at first you like accepted it as a sculpture, right? Cause it's in this museum and these people, other people are accepting it as a sculpture, but then you have to like, wait, what? Oh, it's a urinal just <laughs> upside on down. the ground, you know, like, and so you're like, Oh wait. And, but you accepted it as art. Yeah. And so that's what he's talking about. He's talking about at first glance, like, Sometimes we, it takes us a couple of chance, you know, a couple of times to like realize what we're looking at. But most of the time, like you accept things for what they are at first first glance. And so if you accept things as you can accept more things as art if you do that with like objects and like life in general. Instead of just labeling it, keeping it in a box. Yeah. Uh, it kind of resonates a lot with me because with this podcast and the show. I say creative types just to keep it general, mm -hmm. but it's not just going to be musicians and painters and writers. You know, I like comedian is obviously an art form to me. Chefs. 100%. Chefs. I mean, that's huge art. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, almost for some reason, I feel like it's going to branch out later, but I wouldn't mind talking to local politicians or if you get to like maybe surgeons or I like maybe you get to people at a high level. It's not necessarily art. Yeah. But like you said, anything could be art if you make it. Yeah, you yeah. Know, there might be yeah. some surgeon out there, and obviously, I mean, he's doing his job right. We all hope, whatever. But yeah. he takes a certain joy in the procedure of it, the artistic form. Hundred percent. I mean, people like study pol political science for a reason, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it'd be interesting to study those type of people, like what makes them go into poli sci. You know, like it takes like a certain type of person to become, a, you know, because yeah. most of the time they become like politicians or you know. So, but it's like interesting. Yeah, like going back to anything can be art, and it's yeah, always yeah, going to stick. Totally. Um, so there's also two other gentlemen. I guess you were 19 or 20. It's mm -hmm. Jay Antonio Farfan mm -hmm. and Daniel Kane. Yeah. So tell me about the work with those guys. Oh, man. Like, that was, like, super – again, they taught me the power of, like, encouragement. Like, so Jay Antonio Farfan was – he lived with my brother in the Bronx in New York, you know, and so um, – Antonio moved back to Houston and my brother's like, yo, my old roommate's moved back to Houston. He's a great painter. Like you should just go talk to him. Like, even if like, you know, you can probably work for him, but even if it doesn't work out like that, like at least you have a friend you can go talk to about art, you know? Yeah, and I was like, I like, you know, I was 19. I like, didn't even think about this. You know, it's like, what, what do you, I guess like, and I, I was like, I really, at, the, at that point I was like, I don't want to talk to some old dude. Like, but, and then I sat, I sat kind of sat there and thought about it and I was like, oh wait, well, I guess he's doing what I want to do. So like, why not go talk to him? And so he had this like studio in Montrose and I went there and we talked about art and like, he was like, well, like, you know, after like a couple of weeks of me going there almost every day, you know, he's like, well, like I have this project coming up. Like, do you want to help me like paint this project? And I was like, well, I guess like in, I, again, like I'm self-taught, like I didn't go to school at all. And so like, I'm like, yeah, like what, like let's paint, you know, like, cause I could paint, like he's seen my work before and et cetera, et cetera. So, but then whenever I go to paint with him, like I'm holding the paintbrush and he's like, dude, oh my God, like <laughs> you can't hold, like don't hold the paintbrush like that. Like your hand is going to get so tired. And I was like, this is how I paint every day. He's like, oh my God, dude. Like no carpal tunnel. Yeah. He's like, man. To be young again you know like <laughs> he was like dude that's so crazy that's how you that's how you hold the paintbrush and so he taught me like the correct way to hold the paintbrush so it's like easier on my hand and on my wrist and like 
and like how to like take the weight off of like your actual hand yourself and like whenever you whenever you're painting onto the canvas you know or the the board or whatever in this case it was wood but so what we painted was this guy like loves like Leonardo da Vinci's art and if you looked up his art you can kind of see it but it's really good so he uh this prince in Abu Dhabi paid him to make these like three panel paintings of what the Mona Lisa was smiling about. And so the like there was two outside panels and there were like and then the inside panel had like the middle cut out and that's where he projected a holograph holographic image of the Mona Lisa into that box. And so and it was like the Mona Lisa, but it was a hologram. And then um we painted what she like where like Antonio came up with with what she was smiling about. So like these gestures and all this like whimsical stuff. But like, and so like, that's how I kind of like learned how to paint for real was like painting these panels with him like every day for like, man, we, we did it for like a month and a half. And, and every day he taught me something new, you know, like he taught me how to mix oils. He taught, you know, every day. And like, so it was very fundamental, you know, and so I'm, I'm making like big strides in my work and, you know, when I go to him and I'm like, dude, like I want to have a show, like I want to curate a show with like you and like my other friend, Colleen. And we got to find another artist, but I want it to be four people. And like, I want to find the space. And and so what we did, like, I like took really initiative, you know, like I was calling places to see if we could rent out the place to like have the show. And, um, you know, and I'd probably sound so stupid on, the, you know, I was like really young, you know, but I was like so determined to like try to find a place to like have the show. And, and it just wasn't working out. And then Daniel, our Antonio calls me and he's like, oh, I got this guy that, his name was Daniel uh, Kane, and he was like, you know, he's he's a good photographer, and we can have him in the show. And I was like, great, like that's cool. He's like, I think he has a connection to a place, and I was like, okay, cool. And so he's like, I think he, he said we can have it at his house, and I was like, what? And so I was like, and he gave me the address to the house, and it's like, it's a really nice house. It's like, it's super nice. And so we go there, and I kind of like give him like the concept of what I want to do, and what the show was called and it was called like the great adventures of. And so it was about the great adventures of were like the adventures were the paintings and like the adventures that you go on as an artist and to make these paintings, like, and then you get to talk to us cause we're there. And so you get to hear about the adventures, et cetera. Um, excuse me. And so he like loved it. Right. And so we go, and like, there's probably like a week before the show and he like works out of his house. He's like a lawyer, right? He works out of his house okay. and blah, blah. And so a week before the show, he takes out everything from his house, literally puts everything in storage, TVs, couches, old pictures, old paintings, whatever. If it had nothing to do with the show, then it was out of the house. And he just had his office and he slept on his, he slept on an air mattress, like in his office. So we could start hanging work a week before the show, you know, that's commitment. Yeah. And he was just so, he was so cool about it. Like he was just so, it was awesome. And so really it's leading up to the show and then all of a sudden it gets super cold. Right. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like, man, no one's going to come because it's cold out. And so he rents heaters from the backyard. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then he gets valet and then he gets, and then like, and then I got to meet uh Curry Glassell, the owner of the Glassell school of art. I got to meet her whenever I was like, tw- you know, She's like, this is, she's like, you curated this? Like, this is great. Like, this is so awesome. Like, blah, 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 blah. And so, and then after that, um, the guy that owns Cafe Brazil, Dan Fergus, he was also at the show. And he was like, man, you want to show art at my 
cafe. And I was like, what cafe? He was like, Cafe Brazil. And I was like, my heart stopped, right? Because to be a kid that grew up in the Montrose and to have a show at Cafe Brazil, like that, you you were like on God, like that gave you so much like street clout, you know, like, because yeah. everyone went there. Everyone like drank coffee there. Everyone, you know, and like, so after, and like, so it was just really awesome. And, and it was really awesome because this girl, this girl and I had broke up at the time and she came to the show and she saw all this <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, like yeah. really stuck it to him. And then, and then so people, you know, it was just, it was just a really great experience. And it's like, and that type of stuff is just like super, it's super encouraging. Like it, it made you like, it makes you feel you're on the right track. It and justifies like, your time and yeah. your effort. You're like, okay, I'm not just bumbling around 100%. doing nothing. Yeah, hundred percent. And it makes you feel like your next step could also be just as strong as that last step. Yeah. And so it just like makes you want to put like more confidence and like be smarter about the decision you're about to make again. Yeah, um, and you're gonna naturally be smarter with it too, because you've seen what mistakes you might have made and how uh-huh. you can improve on it. Like obviously the people that shown up to the gentleman's house or like Cafe Brazil that were blown away by it, but you still know there's little tweaks and little things. Hey, we can do this more efficiently next time. A hundred percent. Yeah, totally. And like that's what and whenever I had my show at Cafe Brazil, like that's what I did, right? You know, like like all the art that people were really talking about, we put at the front of the cafe, like for my show, right? Um, so that way all the popular stuff and so it like made the the cafe pop more. And then as you went through the back of the cafe, it got like a little not so good. But um just good marketing though yeah yeah, for sure and so uh but yeah and it was just like and and you know and like though and i still hang i still talk to antonio and to this day to this day you know and um it's sad to say uh daniel isn't with us anymore but you know that dude is just like that dude is forever in my head like i think about him like almost every day and it's just like the dedicate you know it's he didn't have like he never met me before. Like we had one meeting and he was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like we'll have it here. And I had no clue that he was going to do all that, you know? And I was just like, I'm a pretty emotional person. And so I was just like crying, you know, like, like I was like, I don't, you know, I just didn't feel I deserve any of that. And like, it was just, but it's, again, it's great to have people in your life that like really encourage you to like do what you think is right. You know? And it's great to have that. Yeah. It's the beautiful part about humanity for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. In your um early maybe to mid twenties, uh, it was a three year hiatus though from doing work. Can we talk uh, a little bit about that. Uh, sure. It 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 wasn't so much. I guess I I took a hiatus from like kind of showing a lot of work. I was still like loosely making stuff, but um. So after I did the show at Brazil, um, man, I got that. You know, I got that bug, you know, like I really wanted to like, it's a high. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, I want to have more shows and like have all these friends that want to have shows. Cause people were asking me how to get shows now. Right. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you're the yeah, expert. Right. Like they're like, dude, like, how do you, what, like, how'd you do that? Like, I don't know. How'd you like land Dan? Like Dan is like this very, he, he's a complicated person. I love him to death. He's like, he's like such a great person, but he's very complicated. And so, but yeah. And so I had all these friends that were like, dude, I got this, you know, and I was like, well, great. Like, let's try to figure out how we can do this, you know? And so, um, and then I was approached by this guy um, who, his DJ name was C Plus House of Bad Knives, and he started the mixed media parties, right? They were at MFH. Okay. Um, and, like, we started those, like, I guess the Basquiat, there's, like, this big art exhibit that came, and we, got, we brought Grandmaster Flash. And, and so, but he, like, saw me, like, trying to start something, you know, and he's like, well, look, dude, he's like, I have access to these warehouses, like, 
why don't we do warehouse parties where like you hang your friends work and like I'll pick the music and DJs and we'll have like these art warehouse parties. And I was like, dude, that sounds incredible. Yeah. And that's what we started to do, right? Collaboration. Like, yeah, that's what and that we did that for a long time. Like God, we did that for like three years, you know? Like almost every every almost every weekend for a year we had a party. And so, um, but yeah, they were great. And then, especially in your early twenties, I mean, come on, it's what we're all doing anyway. So yeah, you're you mixing it all in perfectly. It was very hard to like. It was very hard to balance, but uh, but I learned a lot at a young age, you know. And so that led to um, me helping out with Summerfest, um, which is a music festival here. Um, I like ran all the VIP tents, like that was my first gig, and so. I was running all the VIP tents for them because they saw me like running around this warehouse, right? And they're like, dude, you can do this. Like, no it's just a park, you know? And I was like, at this point, I was like, probably, God, I was like 24 or something like that. So I was like young uh, still. And I was like, yeah, man, let's go. Like, I was like, let's do this, you know? Like, they're like, well, we can't really pay. I was like, oh, don't worry about the pay. Like, it's just about like the support, you know, like giving, yeah. doing it for Houston, you know? Like, we're doing something that Houston's never seen before, which is like bring an indie rock festival, like hip hop festival to Houston and like make it amazing, you know? It's still an annual thing, yeah. Yeah, well, no, we stopped. Okay. Well, it was called in bloom, but we stopped. Um, but what are you working on now? Uh, as far as art or what? Yeah. Um, these are paintings that are uh, just like in the middle of the like collage paintings. Okay. But they're all right. I was wondering what you're working on right now. Oh uh, yeah. That, that kind of thing. Oh uh, yeah. It's interrupt or nothing. Huh? Oh, no, no, no. Um, and I can talk about that stuff in a minute. Yeah, we'll get to that but, towards the end for uh, sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the, and so um, then I started working for like other festivals. Um, and then I did that for like a long time. That was like my bread and butter for like, cause it was dope because it, it wasn't, I still got to do art in the sense of like kind of making it my own, but then I was like making good money. You know, I mean, I'd make between like three and $6,000 a festival and like get to travel, you know, and and all this other stuff, and get to work at music festivals, like stuff you'd do for free. Yeah, pretty much. But at this point, I was like so good at it that like you know, this is like after Summerfest. Like I think we did it up until 2014 or something like that. But at that point, um, yeah. And so now I only like my paintings have like picked up, and now I only work really one festival, a couple festivals, but. Um, I still love it. Like I do logistics and stuff like that for festivals now, like side okay. operations, you know. And so it's a lot of fun. Um, and, and it's, it's job job too. You know? Yeah, it's a job job. Yeah. Like I can fall back on it. Like I'm forklift certified. Like boom up certified. You know. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You could uh, train him. You just got a job. This is my brother that's yeah. here with us. Um, yeah. He's just now. I think he starts Monday. We're doing classes stuff, doing warehouse work. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, so I've learned. Um, you know, in about a month or so of doing this, it's easy to be critical of your own work. Yeah. Uh, I find it hard to go back and listen to something as soon as I publish it. I'm like, uh-huh. I don't want to go back and re-listen to it. Uh-huh. But And I know it's highly important to just keep putting content out. That's what I've learned from Correct. some mentors already. Just no matter what, get it out, mm-hmm. figure it out, learn from it. Yeah. Uh, can you kind of discuss the importance of putting content out, even if you're not as confident in a piece as you'd like to be? Have you ever put something out? Obviously you have, but like put uh, something out where you're like, uh, I don't know about this. 100%. There's this really great Andy Warhol quote where he says, um, he says, um, he's like, make a lot of work, show to people, and while they're deciding if it's good or not, make even more work. And then, like, he's like, repeat that process. 
And I can't tell you how much of that, like, that's so important, right? Because, like, it's not, you know, like, it will drive you crazy if you, if it's up to you to, like, critique yourself, you know, because you always think you can do better or it could always be something else or whatever. And so, but I tell you, that also builds confidence within yourself, though, you know, like, you're like, oh, maybe it maybe wasn't as bad as I thought it was, you know, or maybe my talking voice doesn't sound like that or, you know, whatever it might be. So um, it's important just to like try to produce as much as you can and show as much as you can, because that's whenever you find out if it's good or not. You you want to get critical feedback, too. I mean, me just starting off, everybody wants to be supportive. And that's awesome. That's awesome. But I also love constructive criticism. So I don't keep forming bad habits. Uh So it's okay. It doesn't criticism doesn't have to be negative. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Like, I think and it just like I mean, and of course, people can make it personable but like that has nothing to do with you that has to make yeah. more to do with them you know um and then if they do make it personable you know like be like well can you elaborate on that you know like instead of you know kind of letting them get away with it but yeah. i mean but yeah like taking like constructive criticism is like that's the only way you really learn you know yeah for so, sure um, it's almost want to like foster jealousy or content with people but when no, i get no, that no. first person it's like oh this thing sucks that's no yeah, good yeah, yeah. i almost look forward to that moment it's like a little achievement on the way up or something yeah you have these little achievements as you go yeah and then the first person that says like the first one sucks and there's like nothing else to like compare it to like there's no second or third it's like dang dude like relax bro yeah like, man can i get like two or three out first before you like start shut like, me down right exactly dude and again that has more to do with them than it does with you you know like yeah, so from their perspective like, yeah, yeah totally and so you just like keep keep pumping that content out dude because eventually like i mean you never know dude people pick it pick it up and it's like it's crazy yeah when you talk about overnight success to that person it was like 10 years of hard work So it was a little technical difficulty on my part, accidentally stopping the recording, but we didn't miss too much of the flow, so we're just going to roll right back into it. Um, Do you approach your pieces one at a time, or do you prefer multiple projects at once? Do you not start something until you finish one thing in particular? Um, It just kind of depends on where I'm at in my headspace. Um, Sometimes one painting will give me an idea to make, make three more paintings. And if I'm feeling like super confident about those three ideas, then yeah, like I'll bust out like three like surfaces to like start working on those three ideas. Cause again, I'm like about that immediacy, you know? Yeah. Like the immediacy. While it's still raw. Right. Like, right. Why it's still raw, why it's like 100% of what I see in my imagination. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just kind of depends on where I'm at. So I noticed that in my last episode, it was it was a, with an old buddy who's gone mm-hmm. on to be established mm-hmm. and respected in his field. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that episode as my favorite kid at the time because parents, nobody likes to, you know, if you're a creator, you don't kind of want to say, oh, this one's my favorite. It's uh, like a parent with a kid. Yeah. But do you have a favorite collection or a particular piece that just always is going to be your number one? Oh, man. I don't. Yeah, it's so hard. Right. Yeah, it's super hard. And I like. And this is, it, I make a lot of art. And so it's hard for me. Sometimes it's hard for me to remember things. Yeah. Like I'll, yeah. People like go through my Instagram will be like, man, you saw this painting. And I'm, and it's like from like a year and a half ago. And I'm like, uh, cause <laughs> as you can see, we're in my studio. As you can see, there's this like rolls and rolls of painting. And it's like all uncatalogued and there's like stuff in the attic. It's crazy. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. There's, I don't, there's, yeah, it's such a hard question. There's definitely paintings that I love because 
of what I was able to accomplish with those paintings in the sense of like, man, like what I saw in my brain was exactly what I was able to put onto the the surface. How about this? Have you ever had one where you just lit it on fire? Almost literally like, nope, we're going to let this one go. Almost maybe in a symbolic way. Um, Or that ruffling of the paper, scrunching it up and tossing it in the trash. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I just went through a bad breakup. And so I had to make a painting about it. And then I like threw it away. Just because it like, the breakup was like so, like, it's still deep on me. But it, it was so deep on me at the time that I needed something to like, and I didn't get closure, right? Like I didn't get the type of closure that was needed. Um, and so like I, you know, I go to therapy and she's like, man, try to make a painting about it and like just either rip it up or throw it away or like whatever you need to do. Like, you know, and like, as you're doing it, like talk to yourself about what's going on while you're making it, you know, like, you know, like as if she was there, you know, like, you know, she may not be able to answer, answer the questions that you're, you're asking, but you know what to look out for in your next relationship. You know, like these are things that are important to you because you said them out loud. You made them an affirmation. Yeah. Affirmation. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, but yeah, there's, I mean, that's, but I guess that's like the only time I've ever done that. I usually paint over paintings or I don't like them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Or like try to fix them. Like I'll just stare at them until I like can figure out how I like them, you know, like, Oh, I can add this color. And then, and then like whenever I add like a stroke or a, you know, a mark on there, it'll lead to something that will help me fix the painting. Yeah. So it, one of my favorite authors and writers is a uh, Stephen King and mm-hmm. he has a book out called on writing one of his older books where it's like part memoir, part teaching, I guess. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about with his novels is he'll, it's, he almost, he, he keeps it like, um, what's the word? Dudes that dig up for fossils uh-huh. and you'll start to uncover a little bit of a fossil and yeah. not know what you have yet. Yeah, yeah, you're going to yeah. keep digging and digging. Mm-hmm. So it's almost the same aspect with you where, you might not have the whole thing pictured out or maybe you do have an idea of where it's going to go, but halfway through you uncover a different part that yeah. you didn't know was going to be there and it leads you down a different road. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. hundred um, percent. And, and it's like, and, and a lot of my work, a lot of my work is it's so much about that. Like the idea of the unknown. And it's like, cause I use like color theory to make the color combinations and then after I use color theory, like everything else is just like um, an expression, you know, like I'll add a little bit of green here, a little bit of whatever, and then do my swipes and all that's just kind of like just in the gestures are in my head. Yeah. So you um, kind of um, kind of describe to me the balance of maintaining like creative exploration mm-hmm. and then not getting stuck in day to day, you know, menial activities like you got to go run this errand, you got to go pay this bill. Yeah. Do you ever get like for lack of a better term, do you ever get lost in time also while working on a project like, oh, shit, it's been a week. Oh, 100 percent. Like all the time. All like the time. that's. Yeah. Yeah. 100 percent. I think that's but like that's just like part of the concentration, you know, like you get so deep into something that becomes like a meditation, you know, like I can only tell you that like making art helps with my depression a lot. And whenever I paint, like, it's like, I don't know, I can only, it's so cheesy, but it's like, I feel free. Right. Like I feel so like, I don't know where I need, where I'm supposed to be. Like, I feel like if I could paint the rest of my life nonstop and I was able to like physically do that, that yeah, you would do it. Yeah. I would do it like a hundred percent. Like, there's nothing that, you know, like I stop because I have to eat or like yeah. get some water or whatever, like or do an errand or whatever. But like if I don't have to do anything, then like I will sit in here, smoke weed and like just paint until 
you know, whatever, until I get a phone call or I have to answer an email because there's like that business side that comes with like trying right. to be an artist, whatever. But I'm figuring that out too. But yeah, but most of the time it's just like, yeah. So there hasn't been too many times where the reverse happens to where you, maybe you're, you're not painting for a day or two and then all of a sudden it's been five days. Yeah. So again, um, whenever I do the music festivals, they're like, it takes, like I'm on the back end of music festivals. So I'm there before anyone else is. And I, I'm like the, one of the last people to leave, like the cleanup crew, it's us. And then the cleanup crew leaves, you know? And so like we are, you know, uh, we do site operations. And so we have to make sure all the tents are in the right place. All the stages are in the right place, porter potties, et cetera, et cetera. Like each tent has the right banner, you know, all the merch is there, you know, um, and then while, and then like, we make sure like all the flight cases, you know, like, you know, I did a music festival last year and we almost lost Travis Scott's pyro stuff, like, et cetera, et cetera. So like it, there's a lot of, you know, like that's the stuff. And so I don't really get to paint during that time. Yeah. Or I wasn't able to paint, like now that I only work two music festivals, like it's, 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 it's actually kind of nice because I don't do it. I don't get, to, I don't have to paint for like three weeks. I just sit, hang out, you know, and like work. I'm in a forklift and I'm moving stuff and it's like a palette cleanser. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's like, yeah, it's like I get to work with my hands and you know, like the team that we have out there, it's just like really amazing. And you get to work with a great group of people. And, and then it also teaches me like how to plan out like exhibitions and like how to even make paintings. Like it gives like doing logistics for inside operations for music festivals. Like you have to have foresight. And so that foresight kind of translates into me making art yeah. or me wanting to do exhibitions or, you know, it helps me a lot. Yeah. Think uh, bigger picture. with things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you did a lot of uh, traveling uh-huh. for sure. As far as Texas goes and with regards to your work, uh, yeah. what's noticeable differences in art scenes between Houston or Austin, San Antonio, and, you know, any experience going out West, like El Paso and that culture? Um, I haven't, Made it to. I'm supposed to have a show in San Angelo in 2020. Okay. Um, but as far as out west, I've been to San Antonio. San Antonio has an amazing art scene. That art scene is so beautiful. Like those people are so supportive. It's like it's super awesome. Um, Austin, it's man, it's like real weird there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like almost by definition, you yeah, think that's yeah. where you would want to go, like the mecca in Texas. Kind of. It's like it's yes and no, right? Like because it becomes oversaturated right and then there's not a lot of people that necessarily want to buy those type of people that have money there want to buy art outside of the city because it's it's more important for them as um whatever high society to have a banksy right to have like a a london artist on their walls instead of an austin artist that's just as good but because you have a london artist you're seeing, you know, oh, well, I found this in London. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Right. And so, like, Austin is full of those types of people. And so those people that buy local art are, like, far and few between. And so, and then there's people, there's artists that live there already that have, like, you know, they have their collectors there. And so when yeah. you come in and, like, you're stepping on toes and it's a very difficult situation. Ter- territorial. It's, it's very territorial, you know, but it's great. Like, there's a group of people that I love out there and that are doing great things. And, yeah, it, I mean... Yeah, it's great. So if you're um, for new or people, I guess, younger in the Houston area, do you mm-hmm. feel Houston's kind of too top heavy as far as giving already recognized artists exposure with opportunities and grants? Do you feel like it's harder now to break in around Houston? Um, Yes and no. 
Um, I think there are, I think there are plenty of opportunities for emerging artists to like do their own thing if they don't get like accepted, you know, if they don't get the grant or whatever, like there's definitely ways to like create the platform for yourself, you know, like um, it's, yeah, and, but it's like a, it's like a double edge. Yeah. Yes and no. Right. I Speaking from someone that has gone for grants and hasn't got, I get, I get more recognition outside of the city than I do in the city. So um, yeah, it's definitely, it's hard sometimes it, once you get to a certain level, it, it gets hard because now you're competing with like the big, you know, the big dogs. Right. And so it's like, well, man, they've been doing this for like six years and they like go to all the galas and they like, help, you know, hobnob and like they do the thing that they're supposed to do. You know, I'm not that type of artist, you know, it's yeah, like, okay. like I'll explain the work, you know, but I don't know. Galas just aren't my thing. And it's it's all right. Like I'm slowly trying to get into galas and all that type of stuff. Just to put yourself in an uncomfortable spot, maybe. hundred percent. Like I think the only way you can get comfortable is if you're like you're fighting to get comfortable, you know. So yeah. why not, right? You almost don't want to achieve that comfortable. I mean, I guess you kind of do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, if, if it can like if it can propel my career, then for sure. And yeah. it's uh, not it's not like something that's like taking away from my dignity or like making me do something that like I don't want to do. Like you're not a sellout. This, yeah, yeah, I'm not like a sellout. Like, I mean, so, but yeah. That goes in kind of perfect with where I was wanting to go next. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of want your definition of success. Even mm-hmm. though we might have touched on it at some point. Where you yeah. Play, but success in your mind. It's, man, it, it just depends. Like, if we're talking about success in monetary value, like, success to me is like making enough money where I can like keep doing the next three projects I want to do. Okay. Um, I can make a little bit of extra money to like buy sneakers and stuff like that and like do, you know, go travel. But, um, you know, I'm not really at this point in my life, I'm not looking to make a lot of money, but then success to me in the sense of being an artist is like being able to make something that's exactly in my imagination. Like whatever the painting I see in my head, like I can make a hundred percent and it's like what I want to make. And it's just like, man, I look back and I'm like, yeah, like if I can look back and be like, yeah, you're successful. On it. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, cause I make a lot of stuff and I'm just like, I don't know. And, but then the, you know, the gallery that represents me will come over and look at it and be like, yeah, dude, like this will sell. And it sells. And it like blows my mind. I'm like, I don't know, you know? And so like, that's why I just have to take a step back and like, I don't know what is good anymore. Like what I thought was good is not good and vice versa. Yeah. What I thought was bad, like people love. So I'm just like, I guess I have bad taste. I don't know what it <laughs> yes. is, you know, like, <laughs> But, you know, and, and again, it just goes back to what we were talking about before in the sense of, like, just putting the content out there. And, like, let everyone else decide, like, and you just keep making more content, Yeah, you know, um, and just listen to their, like, their criticism. All right. So give me um, a bold proclamation about the state of visual art medium in about 10 years. So it's always an evolving scene. Everything's changing. It's, man, it's hard, dude. I Where would you like it to be? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> That's such a hard question because it's like, and it's said the best for last, I guess. Yeah, it. <laughs> That's and it's such a difficult question because there's so much of. I don't know. I guess like, I wish there was like, and I guess I'm working. I'm slowly working on this project, but I want there to be more public spaces for artists to show work, like mm-hmm. in parks and stuff like that. You know, like yeah. I think that will bring more people to that park um you know and and in austin i did this project with a friend of mine he's a a fellow artist and the city of austin gave us three thousand dollars to 
um, for this this grant to do this project where we rented out four pods, like the the shipping pods. And so we rented out four of them and then we put drywall inside of them and made them like mobile ga- like galleries and then gave the keys to three artists that we liked. I got one of them. And so we let them like draw on the walls and hang their art up and stuff like that. And then they had to treat it like a real gallery. They had to be open from 10 to six and like, and they got to keep all their money, you know, but it was like more of a social experiment, right. To yeah. see what would happen if these were just put in park, you know, we, and so we put these in a parking lot um, where there were art studios, you know, and they made so much money, you know, like at the, there was like an art walk one weekend. And so at the end of the weekend, they made like 10 grand, like all the pods together made like 10 grand, you know? And so that, you know, it just goes to show you like whenever you, whenever it's presented to you, like, you know, people will buy work and be interested in it and stuff like that. And so I, I guess I just want it to go, like, I want more people to understand that they can be into art because I think that's what scares people from like fine art, you know, is that like they feel that they don't belong, you know, so they want to seem ignorant. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's okay to ask questions and not understand. And like, there's like, that's why there's like art historians, you know, there's people that study this way, get their PhDs, you know? So, so like, and they, you know, they barely understand, right? Like to a certain, you know, to a certain extent, a lot of it's left. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's what art is about. Like, Art, art is about a conversation um and it's and and it can and it can be about a beautiful conversation or about a sad conversation about a happy whatever conver- as long as it stirs up a conversation and gets you talking about something or maybe it gets you talking about what is in that painting then that are in that photo or in that sculpture or in that installation or in that that movie like then it's done its job like and yeah. and that's what i think people kind of either don't realize or forget that like, you know, they go to a painting and it's like, man, it's not beautiful. And so they dismiss it because they think that's what paintings are supposed to be. They're supposed to be beautiful, but it's like, I mean, not really. Like there's some ugly ass paintings that talk about some beautiful things and some beautiful ass paintings that talk about some ugly things. So it's just like, and so you have to make sure people realize that art is about you talking about it. When I listed a response. Yeah, exactly. When I cheer or boo, right. I felt something. Right, exactly. And then can you elaborate on that response? Because then that's whenever it becomes something else, right? You give it some depth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that elaboration, it's like okay for you to say whatever that elaboration is because that person probably doesn't even know what that painting is about. Unless it's that artist, you know, then that person probably doesn't know what that painting is about. And, but then there's a conversation between two people that would probably have never talked about art, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so, again, like that's that's what that's like one of the great things about art it's like it's like this great conversation starter Mm -hmm. definitely good icebreaker Mm -hmm. so this should be coming out i'm pretty sure it's either going to be i think we talked originally i was saying january 14th it might be january 7th also you said you were leaving town what the 10th Mm -hmm. was that what trip for uh yeah so (laughs) i guess like in i guess i wonder if i was like 30 i'm 35 now uh, when I was 30, I started like doing a little bit, bit of TV commercial acting. Okay. And so I've been acting kind of like off and on since then. And so I'm going out there to do. You just slip this in right at the end. A oh, little yeah, bit. Also. <laughs> I don't like to talk about it much, but yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go out there to LA and uh, do some auditions for a TV show and we'll see what happens. That's badass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like we had, uh, my brother brought up earlier about yeah. current projects. Do you mm-hmm. have any upcoming things? Like, I guess obviously there's that TV audition. Yeah. After that, maybe in early spring, any galleries, anything you want to promote? God, I mean, so much, man. 
<laughs> I literally have a show almost every month. Okay. Throughout so. the whole year. But um, yeah, so we're actually going to do something in this studio the second weekend of March. Um, I make hip hop beats and my other roommate is a musician as well. And so me and my friend are going to do like a big live painting in here while we're going to do like uh, my other friend's going to do improv music and we're going to open up all these doors. So it's like a big sunroom. Yeah. So all these doors open. So we're going to open up all these doors and open up to the lawn so people can come out. And my friend who's the vegan chef is going to come out and make some food. And but yeah, y'all are more than welcome I'm to come out. I'm going to shamelessly invite myself. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. You're yeah. more than welcome to come and kick oh, it, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, uh-huh. You're definitely going to be one of the guys I know about like spring or the next summer. I got to have you on again. Yeah, totally, dude. Almost too much more to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Where can uh, listeners go to find your work or you know, like plug any social media or website? Oh, man. Uh, uh That's my website. Uh, I'm on the gram, of course. J Paul underscore Jackson. Um, yeah, I mean, then of course, hit me on my email, jpauljackson at gmail.com. Cool, and I'll definitely have these posted in the in the before and after links to them. But yeah. dude, this has been 100%. awesome talking yeah, to dude, you. Yeah, dude, for sure. It's been so much fun. Thanks for the ice cream sandwich. Oh, yeah, you get to keep the rest of the ice cream sandwiches too, <laughs> oh, man. man. Sharing with the roommates. Man, oh, yeah, totally. My roommates love you right now. All right, appreciate you, <laughs>considering it's christmas eve as i record this closing segment and this week's badass conversation lasted slightly longer than usual i'm not going to keep you guys around much longer i just want to say thanks again for checking this out i say it every week but every week i get more and more comfortable with this and i have a lot of big picture plans lined up i have a lot of behind the scenes stuff in the works and i feel like these first few episodes have only been like a small preview of what's to come for the cake and conversation podcast I'll be back next week for the New Year's Eve episode with Bash Williams. He's the one that put me in touch with Mr. Jackson. And Bash has also got me in contact with a few other people that you're going to hear on this show very soon. So I'm excited to actually sit down and have him on the show. He's a true cocktail craftsman. Super huge thanks again to Jonathan Paul Jackson. Anyone that's interested in paintings that will make you think and feel something, check this guy's art out. He's a true, he's the definition of artist. He's the real deal for sure. He loves to mean the meaning, leave the meaning open to interpretation. So, you know, there's always a cool point of view with his work. His website's simple because it's his name, JonathanPaulJackson.com. And you can find him on Instagram, Facebook. So, yeah, everybody keeps sending out positive vibes into the universe and positive vibes will come back to you. You guys take care and we'll see you next week.